I'm Liam McClendon and this is Dragon Heart. Leans against the, the wall stand, hurls it in towards the far post. It drops loose! Yeah! Yeah! Yes! Tremendous finish by Harry Lennon! Well, what a finish! It was a great throw! It was touched on! And Lennon unmarked six yards out, far post on the pivot, just lashed a half on the end. Well, this is Che Long, and this is Mark Griffiths, and this is Dragonheart. How's things, Mark? Uh, pretty good at the moment, to be honest with you. I'm certainly happy after Tuesday. That wasn't a, wasn't the worst performance, was it? Certainly wasn't, and some excellent goals, and it was a much-needed win against a, a side who he should be thrashing as well. Exactly, but you can only beat what's put in front of you. And, it, you know, so it's only the... It's the second biggest win by any team this season in our division anyway, so it shows people haven't been blasting five goals past all the shots. So yeah, I'm, I'm I'm extremely happy with it to be honest. So yeah, oh yeah, I, I was over the moon. It was a much needed win, but first we have the Harrogate game to talk about. We of course have the older shot game to talk about. And we're gonna talk about a bit of a unique one really, talk about a Rexham eleven without UK players, which it's a little bit of thinking, doesn't it? It certainly did. I mean, we've had some great ones sent in to us by listeners, and we'll talk about them. But also, when I tried to work it out, I got out the old big spreadsheets and realised that there actually uh, there's certain areas of the team that we haven't had non-British players in. So, it, yeah, it was a bit of a head-scratcher. It was fun. <laughs> Yeah, and it, I, I had a great time thinking about it myself. It was um, thought about when my uh, young baby was screaming at three o'clock in the morning. So <laughs> I thought, yeah, let, 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 let's, let's do that. But anyway, we've got plenty of other reaction-related things to talk about. Let's get straight to it. This is Dragon Heart. From the heart of your community, this is Calon FM. Well, first thing to talk about was that disappointing result, I'd say, against Harrogate, which I think, you know, if we, we were playing a good, a really good quality side, don't get me wrong, but to lose the way we did was disappointing, wasn't it? Yeah, but in a different way from previous losses this season. Yeah, this season, you, you know, you think, oh, this performance has been a bit patchy. We've not put in a full 90 minutes, but this was a bit different. Um I thought we did really well, but we played against, like, like you said, very strong opposition, and it's disappointing because we should have won it, really. You know, 20 minutes left, we looked in control and only one goal up, but we we had a very specific game plan and it worked really well. So it was disappointing to lose because we got ourselves into such a great position and because, indisputably, for the first 70 minutes of the game, we were the better side. Which is... A shame, isn't it? It's, it's a massive shame, but that's when you when you come across quality sides, you have to be on the ball for the whole ninety minutes, don't you? Well, exactly, um, and we were, and that's what is frustrating uh, compared to other you know previous games like the Torquay one where we looked exhausted for the last twenty minutes, and this wasn't like that. We, we changed our formation again, went to five at the back, and we played differently from any other game because this was a different type of match, away to a side with division higher up and in good form. Well, I say in good form. I know they'd lost three out of four, but before then, they were second in the division above us. So we defended sort of... Well, I don't want to say we defended deep, but we were happy to not have the ball. But we kept really good defensive discipline. The back five, you know, kept a fairly high line. The midfield dropped off. So there was no room. And he basically, Harrogate were coming forwards and then halfway through our half were suddenly finding a line of nine outfield players and they couldn't find space to pass through it and they couldn't knock it over the top. Um, and, and we were so impressive. And then we hit them on the break. Um, and look, you know, looking for set pieces and hitting them on the break, we got better at that as the game went on, got the goal from the set piece. And like I say, with 20 minutes left... I mean, honestly, I, th I was expecting a storm from Harrogate after the break. I thought they'd come at us and really try to tear us to pieces. And instead, 
that was perhaps our most controlled period of the game where we were on top of the match and we looked so comfortable with 20 minutes to go. So, you know, the frustration was that we didn't close her out. Mm-hmm. Which which is it? It's, it's a crying shame. But first, I'd like you to explain to... Unfortunately, I've not watched the full 90 minutes, so it, it's hard to, when you listen to the radio... Mm. You know, and you're not actually watching the game. It's hard to get a full picture, isn't it, of what's what the game was like. So I'd like you to explain the first goal. It was well, cracking to get John John Ponticelli on the go- on the score sheet, wasn't it? It certainly was, um, and it's great to see him hitting some goal scoring form. I mean, basically, I mean we've talked all season about tools and throwings and the best the way to get the best out of them. Well, goodness me, <laughs> we're getting a lot out of them now. I mean, he's got he's on six assists already for the season after Tuesday. But that first goal at Harrogate, I mean, first and foremost, hats off to Ponticelli. We said in a talkie game, didn't we, that the, his work rate was phenomenal. But in this game, he carried on. He was on his own up front. He worked ever so hard. I mean, he was a real problem for the centre-backs. They, you know, he's not big. He's not strong in the air. But either way, he was just backing into the centre-backs and scrapping with them. They just couldn't. Uh, get a clean head on anything. So everything that was knocked long, they were just heading into midfield for us to scrap for. So he was doing a great job anyway. But then with the goal, it all came about when he made a nice run and the pass played to him was overhead. And he did superbly to chase it, slid in and just about got enough on it to keep it in play. He then slid off the pitch. Um, tried to get up again, trod on a discarded coat behind the goal and slept, but still managed to get up and get to the ball before a defender and kept it alive and we won a throw in. And it was because he kept that lost cause alive that we won the throw and then he got his reward from the throw because Toza slings it in. Hayden went up in the near post. Uh, I thought at the time he got a touch, but he didn't. He just jumped, didn't quite get the fleck. But that was good because he also deceived the player with him. So neither of them touched it. It bounced through the far post where James Jones, well, it was very unorthodox, but it's extremely effective. He backed into his man and used him as leverage and then hit an overhead kick. He didn't quite get hold of it. But then this is where Ponticelli earns his goal. He's a goal scorer by instinct. And he's clearly thought, okay, there's a nice big empty space in the six-yard box. I'll get in here, and then if the ball comes in, I'll have scored. And that's what happened. Jones's overhead kick was a bit sliced, and it just dropped there, and he was on his own. And it was the easiest of finishes, but with both his hard work doing the throw and his striking instincts to get into that spot, Ponticelli really earns the rights to have a tapping. Oh, which is, which is excellent for him. I think he was so unlucky to not get on the, the score sheet against Torquay. He, he did everything. The work rate was fantastic. And we were huge fans of him his last season when a lot of people were criticising him. And he's now really showing off his class. And I think it's going to be hard to get him out, off the team, isn't it? It's going to be fascinating, isn't it? Because Paul Mullen, of course, comes back in. And I, I mean, my assumption would be that Mullen will come straight back into the team, surely. And yeah... Ponticelli has done brilliantly and I, I, I think that Parkinson is going to have to find a way to accommodate both of them. I don't think it'll be that difficult actually, but but certainly Ponticelli's earned the right to try and be a partner with Mullen there. Yeah, and everyone seems to be high on him and it's just, it's really nice to see because I, I the, the quality's there, isn't it, with Ponticelli? Everyone can see that, but his execution, especially last season at times, was... Uh, very disappointing, wasn't it? He's, he has had his injury problems as well, so it's really nice to see him hit a nice run of form. And, and to be fair to him, I mean, last season was a bit of a nightmare in terms of getting his fitness, and um, in terms of injury. Yeah. And at the very end of the form, he suddenly looked right, suddenly looked 100%. Yeah. And he scores at three goals in the last four games. Um, and, and the way he's looked since he's come back in for the Torquay game has looked like similar form. He's, he's got two and three now. And he's he's doing well. And I could see he and Mullen combining pretty well. You know, Hyde and Mullen combined well because Hyde does a lot of hard work for Mullen. Takes the strain off him. And I can see Ponticelli doing a similar, a similar job for him, to be honest. Mm, yeah, I think you're 100% right. And so back to the game, we got a, a goal, a really, really good 
good time, didn't we? 38 minutes into the game. Um, going into that second half, how was you feeling at half-time? I mean, I, I felt pretty comfortable. They'd not really threatened us in the first half at all. And I, I assumed that Harrogate would rally and come at us hard at the start of the second half. And I thought that would be a crucial period. Uh, just goes to show that you shouldn't just trust your cliches because it wasn't. Uh, they made a sub at halftime, a tactical sub. So you think, yeah, OK, the manager's got them in. He's reorganised them and now they're going to go at us. And the truth of the matter is, the next 15, 20 minutes, we were in complete control. We weren't just defending well and hitting them on the break. We, we were the better side. We had more of the ball than them. We moved it around really well. We were bossing the game. We were making chances and it was it was fantastic to watch. And you thought, well, okay, the storm didn't come. Uh, you know, at that point, you're thinking, this feels about as comfortable as a one-nil feels, and we're away to a, a higher division club. It's fantastic. And what happened basically was that the Harrogate manager, Simon Weaver, well, I mean, okay, with the FA Cup now, from the first round onwards, you can make five substitutions, you can have nine men on the bench. And he took advantage of that. He used his five subs, making four of them in quick succession, changed the shape of his team and obviously had altered half the personnel. And the subs made a big impact, not only in terms of an alteration in the way the game was going, which caught us out a bit, but also in terms of both the goals were scored by their subs. So um, last time that happened, two substitutes scoring against Wrexham was Brian Hughes's last game in charge at Files. So it's a very rare occurrence. Wow. But um, that was frustrating. It was also frustrating because although he made that change, the game did start to feel different almost immediately. But then the goal, which came about three, four minutes after he'd made all his changes, was also down to an absolutely amazing pass by Falkingham, the centre mid, by who is a quality act, he's a really good player, and he just pinged an amazing pass at the edge of our area. Brisley had stepped out of the back three um, to follow a player, and I don't think he needed to, to be honest. But having said that, okay. you know it, that shows what a good ball it was. It was just, it was a tiny little window, a chance to hit the ball in behind him, and it had to be hit perfectly. And he absolutely nailed this amazing pass. And Brisley, out of position, came running back, dived in and gave away the foul, which led to the free kick. And even then, it was a little bit frustrating because it was right on the edge of the area. It was rolled to the side. And the substitute power really smashed it in. But at the time, I, 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 didn't, I couldn't see what, but something looked wrong. He, he had too much time to hit it. And uh, on the train coming back, a Wrexham fan came up to me and he said, oh, that wall, that was way too far back, wasn't it? I thought, oh, I wonder if that's it. When I looked at the video, it, it was neither that we weren't ready, which is what I thought, or that the wall was too far back, but it looked wrong. The reason being Luke Young was the runner off the wall and it was very wet. Players were slipping all over the place throughout the match. And Young, when the ball was rolled square, Young tried to push off to sprint at it and, play, and charge down the shot. And he slipped in the wet and fell over. And that was why Power had so much time to pick his spot and smash it in. Because, you see, Luke Young normally would have got fairly close to him and might have got a, a block on or might have hurried his shot. But because Young slipped in the wet, it was not his fault, but because he slipped in the wet, Power has a bit of extra time edge of the area. And great finish, but he, you know, he had a good chance to score from there. It's horrendously frustrating because the second goal was also a frustrating one, wasn't it? Yeah, um, and and this was again Luke Young, but this this was his fault. Um, just got it wrong. We all do it. You know, seen the best players do it. He played the back pass, didn't see it. There was a Harrogate player there, and even then we nearly got out away with it because Lainton, who's so quick off his line, of course, came out and made a fantastic save. The ball span loose. And to be fair, uh, Danilo Orsi, I thought, took it well. Even though it was an open goal, he was outside the box. There was a defender after him. And he had to take it first time. And he just kept his cool. And yeah, that was unlucky, that. Uh, well, it was a mistake by Young. He admitted it himself. But he'd had a good game. 
coming back from injury, and it was a pity. And after that, oof, I mean, fair plays were excellent. We threw the kitchen sink at them, absolutely threw the kitchen sink at them, and it was a, a real pity that we weren't able to get a goal back because we there were so many goal mouth skirmishes in added time. There's one bit where Linton made a chance when he went up for a throw-in. And we were really unlucky that we didn't weren't able to make a chance that we could convert, frankly. So it was a it was a an excellent effort against the side who, like I said, are from a division higher up. It was a smashing effort. To be honest, I I was I was obviously frustrated that we lost after listening to us, and I was actually a really joyful listen for the most part. Mm. And you can't say that about a few of the losses this season. Yeah. Um uh, to be fair. And to be honest with you, I know I know you shouldn't post this, but Losing games like that, it's not the end of the world, is it? You know, when you when you lose to a good side away from home in the FA Cup, it's a shame we're not in the pot for the next round. But I also don't think it's the worst thing in the world for the long term of our season as well. You know, we, it's time to focus on the league, isn't it? And make sure yeah. we're getting as many points as possible. Uh, absolutely. I, I Don't be wrong, a cup run would be fantastic. But like you say, our priority is not the cup. Our priority is the league. Okay, this has happened now, put it behind us. The fact that we kept a similar shape and did so well at all the shots means that, you know, maybe some good has come from that good performance at Harrogus because we might have found a, a different formula to make things work for us. And yeah, basically, we just have to, we just have to kick on from there. You know, we put in a good yeah. performance rate month. We were unlucky to lose, but now we've got to focus. It also, reduces the fixture congestion because we'll be able to play Dover rather than be playing in the second round of the FA Cup. Um, we won't have a replay either because replay could have caused problems because November's absolutely chock-a-block yeah. for us. So it doesn't, it, you know, it means we won't have that extra game again. And November, I, I'd rather play Dover away on a Saturday than a midweek because it gives a chance for more Wrexham fans to get down there and give them some support as well. So, yeah, I'd rather we won, but this isn't the most disastrous defeat either, frankly. Yeah, a draw would have been a pretty bad result with all the congestion, wouldn't it? So, yeah, you take it, you, you take it as it is. It, we lost to a good side. And to be honest, when you lose to good sides, and especially from the sounds of things, we played really, really well, showed some really good signs. And if we play like that against majority of teams in the National League, we will win more games than we'll lose. So, so I think you can look at that with a really positive note. Rexon's Heartbeat. This is Calon FM. Following Tuesday, I was a little bit more anxious going to the older shot game than I probably would have because I think the fans needed a big win, didn't they? I think we all needed something to really raise our spirits and boy, didn't we deliver Oh yes, yes we did. Uh, I mean, I mean, you know, the the pressure was on Wilk, uh, Parkinson a little bit because we needed, like you said, needed the results. We, we've we've had this tough start of the season. We all know that. We've then got the the run of apparently nicer fixtures, and the truth of the matter is, the first three of those we've got four points out of nine, which isn't really what we yeah. wanted so we needed now this little run this week which is a lot of traveling but you know going to uh Harrogate but then coming back and going again on Tuesday all the way down to Hampshire then going again to Kings Lane on Saturday we, we, we needed to get results out of those then the Wheelstone game the week after and oh, well, we did it pretty emphatically were you also a little worried just because that game well, I mean, having had the abandoned game, yeah. you, you know, the sort of feeling of this would really hurt if you didn't win it because we'd already won it once and then we, we'd have lost those points forever. Uh, I, I, yes and no, really. I don't really believe in this. Oh, it's we're Wrexham and this is going to happen. We're going to lose because this, you know, you look at their form and where they are on the table, you know. I would have just been a bit more anxious that things could really go pear shape if we did lose this game. So we have seven points yeah. this season. You know, they've lost to Barnet, they've lost to Weymouth, they've lost to Bromley, they've lost to Bowers and Pitsy, they've lost to Stockport, and their last win was Dover, uh, which says a lot about their season, doesn't it? So I, I think it was a must win, and also it was a must 
we needed to have a convincing win against a team like this. Mm. And we did. And it, and some of the goals were excellent to watch, weren't they? Oh, I mean, fabulous, weren't they? Really, really were. But um, like you said, they, they, we, we had to punish them because they'd lost every home game this season. They'd lost nine games in a row going back to last season. And I, I was working out when I was writing the preview for the club website. Um, I had a look and found that actually in the top seven tiers of English football, only one other team has no points at home this, this season. And that's Barwell Town, who are two divisions below us. And the reason they've got no points is because they had a new 3G pitch fitted. So they've only played one home game. <laughs> so Aldershot's home record is absolutely appalling. And like you said, fortunately, we put them to the sword. And I know Phil Parkinson felt that the 52 minutes we managed at Aldershot when we got called off for the best we played this season, this was better. This was better. We really, we battered them. This was the football equivalent of just holding their head inside the car door and slamming it continuously on them. <laughs> it was a beating. It was cruel. And I loved every second. Which is needed if if you're going to be a team that's pushing for let let's let's be quite honest. This season we're probably not going to make we're not going to win the league. No. We're a bit. Let, let, let's be brutally brutally honest with ourselves now. Um, it's going to take a miracle for us to win the league. Now we are ten points away from top, which you know we're creeping around Christmas now. That's. That's a big stretch, isn't it, for us to win the league? Creeping around Christmas sounds like Santa's motto. Um, <laughs> you know what? You've convinced me that maybe we can still win the league. I never realised that. Gosh, I'm just having a look at the table now. So, we're ninth. We're ten points off the, league, the top of the league. We've got a game in hand on all the teams above us except Bromley. So, in that game in hand... We're seven points off the top of the league. Oh, it's on. Oh, we, we, we've won it. Thank goodness. I, I, you know what? I really but, thought we were further back than that. But, Thank you, Grimsby, for yeah. points. <laughs> but really, we're going to have to go on a good run. Oh, yeah. Definitely yeah. a really, really good run to get into the... Mm. Oh, to, get in, to get in title contention. But I, 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 I don't think that's going to be the port of call this season. Let, let's get on a good run and get third or fourth. You know, third, fourth, second. Well, maybe go for a title run, but it's going to have to be something special for us to win the league. Now, I got, I, I must say, uh, but make sure we're getting securely into the playoffs this year, so we're not worried about are we going to make the playoffs last coming into the last game of the season. Well, I mean, right. Having just looked at the table then and had a reset, I'm thinking maybe I'm not as worried about being off the title pace as I thought. Maybe I'm a naive man saying this. I accept. But you want to be second or third if you go in the playoffs, don't you? Because you're then yeah. one home game away from the final. That's the way this yeah. convoluted system works. And that's what you want, isn't it? You don't want to end up in the situation we've been in previously where, oh, you got a home quarter final, which we blew against Eastleigh. Was that three seasons ago? But apart from anything else, well, so it's harsh to say we blew it. I think, to be fair, the referee made some important decisions that didn't go our way. But the fact of the matter is that we could, you know, we'd have won that and then all we'd have earned was an away game against a team that finished higher up than us. So we still would have the odds against us. Uh, whereas uh, the home semi-final, right, OK, now we're in business, aren't we? But I don't, know, I don't feel so bad then. I had a bit of a shock. I was convinced that we were further back than we are. I'm just being stupidly optimistic, aren't I? But we, we, we hit a good. Uh, I've seen crazier things in football, but we're gonna have to hit hit a good run now. We've got these three really winnable games. Yeah. No, not three now. We got we've just had one, and then we've got these two other winnable games we've got to play now. Mm. They're just gonna have to be wins. These games are gonna have to be yeah. wins, so you can afford to draw to, you know, Chesterfield or uh, against teams like Chesterfield and Grimsby when we play them at home. You can afford to draw those sort of games then. Let's just, let's just go on a crazy run. Let's hope, let's hope we do get a title challenge. But for me, let's get into the playoffs without worrying. The last game of the season, unlike last season. 
Absolutely right. Uh, and anyway, let's get back. By, yeah, <laughs> go on. Yeah, let's get back to the game. So, yeah. Aaron Hayden that opened the goal, mm. opened the goals tally for Wrexham with it. Was it a throw in again from Tozer? That's right, direct throwing onto his head. Lovely flick header by him uh, in off the far post. Absolutely textbook. We we dominated them for the first five minutes. You think, oh, this is going to be slaughter. We we had a sort of shout for a penalty. I don't think it was in the box quite, but it it, it was. But the rest didn't give a foul, which was bizarre. And it was an indicator of what was to come because Bryce Susanna was starting on the left. Now, first thing to say about that, I was a little sorry for Gam Green, who finally got a start last Saturday and did really well, I thought. So I thought he must have been a bit disappointed to find that his place is taken by a player playing on the wrong side. Um, but having said that, Hosanna really caused them problems. And the fullback he was up against was Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain's brother, Christian who actually had had a good game in that game that was mm. abandoned in midfield. Playing at right back, the poor lads looked all at sea and Hosanna was just tormenting him. And that's it. very early on, he just burst past him and it was board. It was a clear foul and a borderline if it was in the box or not. I think probably not quite. The referee maybe wasn't sure because he just didn't even give a foul, which was astonishing. But we really got at them. Toza had a good-headed chance that he put wide from a Luke Young free kick. And you think, this is great, this. But they just started to get a little bit of control back into the game when Rob Lainton was injured. And he had nine minutes of treatment. I mean, it's horrible injuries. He's coming back from being knocked out and have his nose broken. And he got flipped up on the air and face-planted. Oh, it was horrible. And I was slightly surprised they let him carry on. But after that long break, we just got straight back at them and really put them under pressure. And yeah, like I said, that, that goal was coming. But again, Toza's throw-ins just caused problems. We've got, we've got another couple of big centre-backs in there to get on the end of things, and Toza slinging them in. It's working. It, it, well, yeah, it certainly is. And it's a lot of people are critical of the start of the season, but you've got to think. I read a statistic somewhere online, and I, I think around in the Premier League, between the seasons of 2013 to 2015, those two seasons, there was only something like three or four percent of corners led to a goal. Mm. And we've had a lot of goals from throw-ins so far this season, which yeah. shows how how much of an effective tool they are, especially at this level. And the other thing is what what we said a few weeks ago, he slings these throw-ins in. If he hits the target, great, because we've got a chance to have a good goal. If he doesn't, it's quite hard to get a proper clearance on them because they're quite floaty. So we can always fight to win the second ball back on the edge of the air, get it back in. And the reason he's got six assists isn't just because of his throws. It's also because, uh, you know, I mean, direct from his throws. It's also because they're hard to clear. And Toza, because he's out there on the wing, is unmarked when the ball is half cleared. And if we win it back, we very quickly get back to him again. And he's a decent cross of the ball as well. He, in the sense that he doesn't like whip in these like magical David Beckham crosses, but he puts the ball into a good area where people can fight for it. So he, he I mean, the, the fifth goal comes from exactly that, but he throws it in, he actually slips out of his hand a little bit. He doesn't quite get it right, but we win the second ball, get it out to him. He slings it into the far post. And Jordan Davis makes a fantastic header. Um, but that's, you know, we were getting the benefit from the throw-in because we often win the second balls and get it back out to Toza, who's got space to measure across. So it, it works in two ways. And it's a very useful tool for us to have. Oh, especially in, it, it works. It works in any sort of situation, especially if we say one or two down, if we get a throw-in, it, it Teams are going to be scared to concede yeah. throw-ins, aren't they? Rather than corners, so it, it, it's it's a brilliant tool. Really, really happy and one nil Aaron Hayden just before half time, and then Harry Lennon pops up with another one just before half time again. Yeah. It was brilliant. Like within like two minutes of Hayden's goal, it could have been three 0 because Lennon scores very soon afterwards, and it was a controversial one. But having looked at the video frame by frame, I thought the ref and lines were right to allow it. So ball into the box again from a set piece, this time a Luke Young free kick. It's cleared out to James Jones. He pulled his shot, 
but Hayden and Ponticelli are coming back from an offside position. When he hits the shot, Hayden's definitely onside. Ponticelli is borderline, but the fact is that he's not interfering with play. I think that's part of why people were shouting for offside, because you saw the two of them were quite close together. And Ponticelli's beyond Hayden. He's not offside. He's not interfering. And Hayden did really well to turn the shot goalwards and hit the bar. Uh, drops down. And then I said about Orsi controlling his finish. Well, on Saturday, well, Harry Lennon, having scored a beauty in our last home game, uh, gets his second goal for the club. And again, a very good finish. It, it's, it's, it's coming at him quite fast. Again, you know, he's 15 yards out. It's you know, There's a lot of the goal to aim for. But he does really well to hit it into the ground, I thought, just to make sure he doesn't just hit it and send it over. Um, by hitting it into the ground, it makes that less likely and it, it skids on and goes in. And and then and then but straight from the kickoff, Ponticelli's one on one with the keeper and uncharacteristically sort of thrashes that out a bit. And the keeper makes a good save, but you know, that that's the sort of finish that Ponticelli usually shows a little bit more finesse with, which he certainly did in the second half. So we could have been three up at the break, which would have been I wouldn't say would be an unreasonable reflection of how the game was going. And it was <laughs> Three at the break can't be too greedy. I was, I'm just, I was just happy with two because right. it's something that we haven't done this season, mm. um, burying teams. And to be fair, you know, you look at the Dagenham Redbridge first half. You look at the Notts County first half. Mm. All the all the home games this season, even the Woking first half. You know, we could have been one or two nil up, and it was nice to actually be mm. more than one one goal up going into the second half. And I think if we can do that more times this season. I think it takes the pressure off the second half performance and we can maybe be a bit more tired if we're 2-3-0 up. Exactly. I. How many times have I been saying this season it's frustrating that we don't get that second goal? And I found it really hard to put my finger on that we have no trouble scoring because we've scored in every single game this season, which, as has been reported, only Wrexham and Liverpool have scored in every game in the league this season in Britain, in the top five leagues. Um, if we score on Kings Lynn, we'll match the post-1921 club record for the most games from the start of the season that we've scored in. 17. And, oh. you know, so it is a remarkable feat, this. And yet, too many of those games we have scored, we haven't got the second goal, which I find hard to explain. But on this one, you're right, we put them to bed in the first half. And then in the second half, I mean, to be honest... Aldershot came at us quite hard. They'd taken off Oxlade Chamberlain, who was tormented, like I said, throughout the first half. And they had a little spell where they put us under pressure. Dibbles in goal now, of course, as Lainton went off at half time. Um, but I really thought the third goal encouraged me a lot because. We'd had a rough sort of first 10 minutes of the second half. We're defending okay, but we weren't really getting the ball down. And it just felt to me like a really sensible, intelligent piece of thinking by the team. We managed to get the ball down from a throw and we just kept it. And I think the first thought in the team's collective mind was, we're under pressure here, so we'll do the experienced thing. We'll take the sting out of this. We'll move the ball around and just, you know, as they draw their sting. And so we started doing that. We probed, we moved it from right to left, to left again. You know, really, we circulated the ball around, looking for gaps. We're very calm on the ball. And then managed to find the passes forwards. Jordan Davis playing a progressive pass. Dan Jarvis playing a nice little pass down the line to really open it up. Uh, Hosanna did really well hitting the goal line, pulling the ball back nicely. And Reese Hall Johnson, you know, first start since the first game of the season. Brilliant to see him get through it. Side foots it in. And I look back on it. It's a 15-pass move. We kept the ball for 58 seconds. It was just, you know, I think it started off as a reaction Excellent. to, we're under pressure here, so we're just keeping the ball. We're just going to take this, the, this, the pressure out of this situation but then turned into a patient piece of play that we managed to work into a goal. And I, I, I found that extremely satisfying. Uh, um, and what a nice way, and, and such a nice 
feeling to see Saul Johnson back on the pitch and get a goal as well. Uh, he was arguably our best player last season. It was a shame to lose him to injury so early on in the season. I'm not saying, uh, you know, he's got a lot of work to keep Tyler French off the, mm. off the team sheet as well, isn't he? So, yeah, excellent to see him score a goal. And then for me, <laughs> the the fourth goal, Jordan Ponticelli, that's got to be... It's nice. It's got to be goal of the season contender, isn't it? Oh gosh, yeah. Oh, it was lovely, wasn't it? I'll tell you what I really loved about it, apart from everything, is um, the you know a minute beforehand. I mean, Aldershot, to be fair, reacted quite well to going three 0 down, and a minute beforehand, Dibble makes a fantastic double save, or Aldershot would have pulled a goal back. The first shot from Andrews, Dibble. Well, it's a it's a it's a long ball into the box for throwing. And Dibble does really well to come and punch it to start off with. When it comes back in, really powerful half volley from Corey Andrews. Dibble's partially unsighted and makes a superb save low to his right. Comes out to Mo Silla. He blasts it back in. Dibble makes a really good recovery save to block it. And then a minute later, we're 4-0 up because James Jones has just had the most fabulous run down the wing, hasn't he? Flick it over his man's head. That was beautiful. And then Dan Jarvis runs down the line. And you think, has he cut off Jones's path here? Is he? Has he? Does his run cause the problem for us? Does Jones now have to slow it down and give it to a wide player? But he whips this brilliant ball into the middle. Ponticelli's one on one. And of course, this is what I was talking about before. Finishing with finesse. Finishing with panache. Never mind finesse. Little lovely little touch to bring it down. Just outside his right foot, and then oh, what a finish! His little curler into the top corner, but he's one on one. Oh my god, that was it was just oh, made me happy, Jay. I'm gonna say it made me happy. I right. I think it made every Wrexham fan happy, and as I said previously, you know him and Paul Mullen, if he if if he carries on playing the way he has done, and if Paul Mullen comes back. Firing the way he has done with his quality, that's a really good strike partnership, and let's hope that really works out between them two playing together. And then to finish off the game, John Davis got a goal as well, which just it's just excellent, isn't it? It was winning five nil away from home against Aldershot, especially after them beating us three nil away from home last season, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. was quite was, and of course the the postponed match early on this season. It's a nice little bit of revenge, isn't it? Oh, it certainly is. Um, we hadn't scored in the last four games we went there, and we've taken three batterings in those matches because a couple of the two nils felt like worse than two nils. Mm. Um, so it was it was lovely to do that. And look, you, you, you know, that game when we, that we played last month, it, it did have to be called off, but it left a sour taste in the mouth that. Some of the older shot staff, I think, took a bit of pleasure in the fact that it was going to be called off. A lot of people have remarked, I think, rightly, on the lack of activity by the older shot ground staff, even if it's a foregone conclusion. And even if you're losing 2 0 and you'd rather it was called off, you should still be seen to do the right thing because you'll, you'll come out of it with dignity and respect. But there was an instant where it looked like one of the ground staff was taunting Tyler French while the Wrexham players were trying to get the pitch playable. Um, and it didn't, it wasn't a good look for Aldershot. The fact that they then weren't giving refunds to the Wrexham fans also wasn't great. So it did leave a bad taste in the mouth. And it felt rather satisfying, I've got to be honest, to, you know, call me mean-spirited. You know, but you heard all the Aldershot fans enthusiastically chanting for the game to be called off in the first one. And all I can say is be careful what you wish for, because I think this was a worse battering for them than they would have got in the first match. I, 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 we were well on top of the first match. I didn't see us throwing it away, but I don't know that it would have developed into a 5-0 stuffing. So you know, they may have got a bit of relief getting that game called off, but when it actually happened, they couldn't put off the inevitable. I think it was it was worse than it would have been for them. Uh, I did have to laugh. I did see an Aldershot fan's response to that on Twitter saying the the, the game getting called off was the highlight of their season. <laughs> um, <laughs> so credit where it's due. Oh, yeah. they, they, a lot of them have a good sense of humour. And I think the way they're playing, the position they're in and their form, you, mm. you're going to have to have a good sense of humour, aren't you? Yeah. 
To be fair, I do but, find Dolls yeah. generally to be a, a good club. I'm not trying to say anything too serious about it, but it, yeah. it, it, they didn't handle it well the first match. It was going to be called off anyway. Why not look like you're trying to get it to continue? You know. And, and then this this leads us to Kingsland Town mm. um, this Saturday, which is a must pressure off a little bit. Now we've got a good result. I believe Paul Mullins back, isn't he? Yeah, that's right. I assume the obvious change would be for him to replace Dan Jarvis. And I, I feel yeah. sorry for Jarvis in that he did very well on Tuesday. But you think about, you know, we've gone back to three at the back. So it's natural we can have two strikers. Mullen also played off one striker uh, when we were playing the 4 2 3 1. So that does look like a natural move. And we saw again in the Torquay game how. Bonticelli was his runs were really creating space for other players. Uh, well, Mullen would love that, wouldn't he? <laughs> Us creating space for Paul Mullen sounds like a good idea to me. It does. Um, yeah, and this leads us into Kings Lane, and let's hope we get another fresh. We have another fresh or another comfortable win, and let's let's get a run going now because I think this team deserves it. We've got the quality there. We've got a quality management. We spent a lot of money. The expectation from the fans is rightly high this season. So let come on, let's get a good run going. Let's let's keep the good vibes going. Absolutely. Um, I should point out as well, having put all the shots at the sword, where they got no points at home this season, Kingsland got one point at home this season. So their home form's hardly much better. There's another reason why I wouldn't like, wouldn't mind us beating Kings Lynn. I think if we could get our own back on all the shots for the the <laughs> the way they handled the abandonment, and then win on Saturday against a, a certain person who seems a bit obsessed with us, oh, that'd be quite good fun. Oh. I'll leave Gold Amateur alone. No, Gold, I love you, Gold. <laughs> I'm talking about you, mate. Oh yeah, but yeah, let's talk about our favourite foreign eleven side. I'm Aaron Hayden, and this is Dragon Hearts. It was a topic that I come, up, I randomly come up with with Mark, and he liked the idea. We're going to talk about our non-UK Wrexham eleven, and in my team, I've decided to pick some Irish players because I, you know, I believe that um, <laughs> Ireland is nothing like us. It's a completely separate country, so. Yeah, I've decided to cl- uh, choose Irish players. A few people haven't. I don't. I believe you haven't either, Mark. Um, I've I've gone the other way. I thought I'd go for it without Irish players. And yeah. if I'm honest with you, my main reason for that was Phil Hardy. Uh, I sort of I thought, oh, we have some Irish players who really are not Irish at all. It felt a bit weird putting them in a non-UK uh, team, so I, I decided I'd, I'd go that way. Yeah. Well, I. <laughs> I don't blame you. So, have you got any suggestions from Twitter? I certainly have. Well, Alice174 comes up with this beauty. He has used Irish players and he's put some good ones in. So, oh, I'm just looking at it now and thinking uh, one of your master strokes he's used as well. So, Dan Bachman in goal, Austrian, of course, mm. current Premier yeah. League goalkeeper. Um, the back four, well, I'm particularly interested in the right back. I really like this call. Richie Delate, the Belgian yeah. player, was on loan from Man United. And sadly, after four games, he got injured and couldn't play for us again. But we, I think we let in one goal in that four, those four games at wow. Kidderminster. Uh, he looks a really quality fullback to me. And I think that's a really good call. Left back, Phil Hardy. Centre backs, how about this? Yeah, beat these two in the air. Dennis Lawrence and Brian Carey. Nice. Oh, yeah. In midfield, we have quite an attacking look to it. Uh, Carlos Edwards, Kevin Thornton, and Adrian Cislevich. Yeah, and then up like front, <laughs> well, let's just say there's a little bit of crafty play going on here. We have Juan Ugarte, John Walters, and Lee Trundle, because Alid reckons he's Irish. Not sure about uh... that, but nonetheless, yeah, okay, okay, take your point. <laughs> it's a good team. Yeah. It's a good team, but Lee Trundle isn't Irish. <laughs> Thank you. Taking a little bit of a liberty <laughs> there. Um, we've got Alan Jones on this side. Oh, that's got similarities. The defence is the same. Backman, Delete, 
Hardy, Lawrence and Carey. The midfield has got, um, well, it's a 4-4-2. Right, centre mid, Silvio Span and Kieran Durkin. Well, Durkin was a winger, really, but he was physical. Uh, yeah, grant you that, Alan, fair play. Um, left wing, Carlos Edwards. Right wing, Hector Sam. Up front, now here we are, Juan Ugarte. And I love this call, Danny Olson. He was an Australian striker who came to us on loan in the 90s. If my memory serves me right, he played four games. Uh, sorry, so he played, I think, six games, scored four goals and was an excellent striker. Alan does say my central midfield needs some work. And I, and I think, I full disclosure here, it was fascinating going through this. Got the old spreadsheets out, looked through the players who played for us. And there really aren't many centre mids of any sort of quality who've played for us who aren't from the UK. So it was interesting to right. see that. Uh, to be fair, Alan, I don't think you've done much about that. Fair enough. <laughs> Wrexham Carl has given us a squad as well as a first 11. Um, uh, uh, there's some interesting names in here. So Marius Rövde in goal. is a good goalkeeper. was Norwegian goalkeeper. Five at the back. Centre-backs, nah, I mean, look at this for a, a Gallic lineup: Manny Asumani, Aurelian Collin, and Dennis Lawrence. That's got, I like the look of that. That's a, that's a solid back three. Got a lot of pace in there as well. Um, on the wings, get this, Carlos Edwards is the right wing back. Imad, Imad Buanan, the ultimate cult hero. He's on the left-hand side. I've got to say, left wing back was a sort of area I wanted to play in. He can get away a little bit with uh, some of the lazy defending, but he can cause mayhem going forwards. Centre mid, he's come up with a, an interesting solution because, of course, Adriano Moke has Portuguese heritage, so he's gone for it. Moke, Hedi Tabubi, and Adrian Cislovic. And then up front, how about this for a duo? Juan Uate and Matthias Pogba. That's tasty. Ooh. And there's some good calls on the bench as well. Uh, Frank Sinclair, Josh Mayabi, uh, Dan Bennett, who's a Singapore international who uh, was in the team that went up in 2003. Chris Killam, good call, New Zealand's international striker, who again came on loan to us and looked very good. And the ultimate super sub from the early 90s, John Paskin. Uh, Steve Watkin and Gary Bennett's uh, backup man. I love that. That's, that's, that's love it. Tasty team. And uh, Carl does point out subs. Uh, he put the team had subs just so he could include Paskin because it'd be wrong to start him because he was very much a super sub Paskin. Good player, mind. <laughs> um, there's some more here as well, but. Do you maybe want to run through what your team was as well? Right, let's run through mine. I've gone for in goal, Jocelyn Maybe, of course. Um, Cameroonian international. Loved the guy when he was playing. Um, yeah, he, was a, he wasn't to everyone's taste, was he? But I think some of the saves he made was, were fantastic. And then some of the gaffes he made were equally as fantastic. Uh, I've gone for like a five at the back. I've gone... David Artel, Carey and Lawrence. Imagine getting past them three. Uh, Artel, yeah. <laughs> put, yeah Bolton David legend. Artel. <laughs> yeah, of course. And a cracking player for us as well, I think. Yeah, that season. Good job. yeah. And, and he could also do your taxes as well, of course. He's a he's football manager slash tax advisor now, isn't he? Exactly. And he, and he scored <laughs> that um, goal against Kidderminster in the semi final, which, which was. Excellent. And I've gone for Carlos Edwards and Phil Hardy, right wing back and left wing back. Phil Hardy's a little bit before my time, but uh, just hearing all the other Wrexham fans talk about him was just enough for me to put him in the team. Absolute class. And yeah. And then centre midfielders was the one I was just, I just could not think of anyone. Like, honestly, I, yeah. so I, got, I went for Span, Silvio Span, who I, I love Silvio Span. He tried his best, didn't he? he, he <laughs> not the most flattering description <laughs> of a player. Isn't it? Tried his best. He, he, 
Uh, he, he didn't really have the quality, did he? he? He scored that amazing free kick on YouTube and everyone was expecting the world's best player. But yeah, and then I've gone for Kevin Thornton, who I thought was mm. absolutely excellent in that same season. Really good players. Maybe he could have been playing at a lot higher level if he didn't have the problems off the pitch, allegedly. Um, and then we've got, and then I put just behind the strikers, Chiselvich. Mm. Again, and could have definitely been playing at a higher level, but maybe just didn't quite have it. And then up front, I've gone for Pogba. And of course, Wanyagate. I think everyone's saying Wanyagate. You, you could probably argue between him and Carlos Edwards, our greatest ever foreign player. That's a very fair comment. That absolutely right. Especially if we're not counting Irish players. So Brian Carey doesn't come to the equation. Um, it's, I mean, Hardy was an outstanding fullback. Absolutely rock solid quality, quality player. And I think you're right that Thornton, if we're counting the Irish players, I think is the best midfielder, central midfielder that we've got at our disposal, uh, I would argue. Because like I said, it is rather thin. And if you want proof of that, I'll go through Rural Detective. Rural Detective is a a brilliant correspondent on the live commentaries uh, and on Twitter. And his team illustrates the problem of centre mid. He's got Miebe in goal, back four, Dan Bennett, Brian Carey, Dennis Lawrence, Imad Buenan. Now, his midfield, I would argue, Rural Detective, has no midfielders in it. Because, uh, like you say, we haven't got much choice. Carlos Edwards on the right. Yeah, totally, totally. Lee McKevley on the left. Okay, with a, at a pinch. Centre mids, though. Adrian Cislovic and Dave Artel. So you've basically, he's gone for uh, a... a, a an approach of if you rolled Cislovic and Artal into one player and then divided it in half, you'd probably have two <laughs> centimetres. But instead, yeah. <laughs> rather than what you actually have with those two, which is was li- a little winger who's very quick and wouldn't play centimetres and a big centre-back who would not play centimetres. So I quite like that idea. Where was Lee McEvely from? Oh, hang on. Was, I thought he's he, English. Scouser, well, he, isn't he? Scouser, but did he yeah. did he have Irish heritage? Oh, yeah, that might be a cheeky one there, Rural Detective. Shocking. I've got to say as well, Rural, he's made a, a very good spot up front. I would have switched this bloke with McEvely because he could have played left midfield as well. John Walters. So he and Ugarte no. up front. Now, Lee McEvely does not count because he represented Northern Ireland once and Northern Ireland's in the UK. Northern Ireland, uh, I see. So, there you go. Yeah. Despite Brexit, Northern Ireland is in the UK. Tim Lewis hand-wrote his and took a picture of it. And because I'm not smart enough to take a picture of it myself, I'm going to have to read it, twisting my head round. My Abian goal. Phil Hardy, Brian Carey, Dennis Lawrence, Imad Buanan. Imad's getting some press here. In midfield, now, Cislovic, Span, Edwards, Paskin. Interesting. Paskin, I think, did play as a right winger, if I remember correctly. Um, so he's put Carlos in the centre of midfield. To be fair, I think probably he could do that job. And then up front, Hector Sam and Juan Ugarte. Decent there. Fast team there, isn't it? What's yours, Mark? Come on. Mine? Is hanging. Well, yes. well, can I just give you Steve Jones's? I think that's the... Steve Jones. You've got one left, I think. Uh, it's a nice team, this as well. And I've just lost it in a, in a panic. Uh, here we are. Shwanjil Alingal. It's nice. Um, right back. Uh, now, interesting this. He's got Christian Jean in there, who was an excellent player in it at his peak, but was awful for us. So that's quite interesting. Richie DeLate. He is one, I don't think anyone's mentioned him, Marvin Andrews. Of course, yeah. And Dennis Lawrence. Then he's got Kemi Augustian. So I'm not quite... There's a couple of players in here that surprised me, Steve. I'm going to be frank. Um, Kemi Augustian, Manny Asamani, Adrian Cislovich. He is one that nobody's mentioned the Greek Cypriot midfielder, Angelo Chaklis, who was on loan to us twice. That's an interesting one. Deli Adebola and Adi Yusuf. And then the subs. Of course. Clayton Ince, Dean Bennett. Oh, I mean, Dan Bennett. Dean Bennett was from the Midlands. Um, Orelian Callan, Fika Kelleher. And 
pushing it a touch here. Naughty, naughty. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to say, Steve, that that's a show-offs team. That's a that's a team of a man who's gone who's gone deliberately obscure. And I love it. I don't know. Well, anyway, you want mine then, yeah, Jay? Oh, of course, yes. The, the, the one we've been waiting for the most. Oh, we don't think so. I have avoided Irish players, possibly to my cost. Three at the back. I've got Miebi in goal. I've gone Colan, Lawrence and Andrews as my three centre-backs. Love it. <clears throat> and then I have the same problems in midfield. So Carlos Edwards, right wing back. Centre mid, right. I put Silvio Span in there. He, he was a centre mid till he came to us and started off as a centre mid. Alongside him, at first I thought Dan Bennett, the centre back we were talking about, was excellent on the floor. I bet he could sort of recondition him as a defensive midfielder. But I decided in the end, maybe I shouldn't. So heady to booby, which I think again shows we haven't got much to choose from in centre mid. Yeah. My problem with doing this layout as well is me left wing back. There's no one really that ticks the boxes. Maybe I could have gone Eman, to be fair. Probably should have done. Instead, I thought, okay, if you're super defensive, Frank Sinclair can do a job there. But as a wing back, he's really not very progressive. And then yeah. if we're super attacking, chasing the game, you could put Chislevich on as a wing back, but he's not going to defend. I'm not happy about these choices. What I am happy about is because I've gone three at the back, I can have three up front. And I reckon my front three of Juan Ugarte, Hector Sam, and Matthias Pogba is going to cause problems. Tasty team. That is a very, very tasty team. And what we're going to do, well, well, what we should maybe do is do it on a whole Welsh team and then compare nice. the two. Oh, I think the Welsh team is going to win. Oh, yeah, the Welsh team is going to win. <laughs> Although the but... Welsh team will require a bit more historical knowledge. Because yes. you're going to have to throw in, you know, we haven't had so many Welsh players lately, have we? So that'd be quite exactly. So we'll, we'll we'll definitely do a whole Welsh team, and hopefully, in in tune with celebration of Wales, hopefully qualifying for the World Cup soon. Yeah, well, absolutely. Well, we've only got a couple of minutes left, so if I can very quickly throw in a couple of players from the past, um, <clears throat> one who I don't think, in terms of quality, would have qualified, but remember we talked about a McElhenney, the player who. Uh, was captain of America when they beat uh, England in the 1950 World Cup. Uh, so, deserves a mention. And also, uh, Roli Ugolini was our goalkeeper in the 50s, an Italian goalkeeper who, by all accounts, was a heck of a character and a real acrobat. So, um, yeah, he was he's somebody yeah. that maybe, you know, older fans talk about with a lot of reverence would probably have been a contender to be the keeper. I'm Harry Lennon, and this is Dragon Heart. Wrexham and Welsh football fans are going to be... We've got two massive games, so good luck to Wrexham against Kings Lynn. It should be a, it's going to be a tough away day, like it always is. And also, Wrexham, uh, Wales are playing Belarus, I believe, isn't it? Which is a huge game, and they gave us a really tough game away from home last time, so... Come on, Wales, and come on, Wrexham. Absolutely right. And also, big announcement time. Next week's Dragon Heart, we're going to feature an interview with Sean Harvey, who, of course, is advisor to Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds, the man who makes so many decisions at the club, and he's happy to take your questions. So please use Twitter to get in touch. Uh, you can either reply to my message or the Dragon Heart Show's uh, Twitter account's message, or you can uh, use the hashtag AskSean. That's A-S-K-S-H-A-U-N. Uh, get your questions in from the man himself and we'll see what answer you can come up with. This is pretty. This is a pretty big interview, isn't it? And I think it's a great way for fans to interact with the, the people from up above. Absolutely right, yeah, yeah. Without the expense of a medium. <laughs> exactly it has been an absolute pleasure mark i really enjoyed talking a really positive week in the Wrexham world absolutely correct Jay. let's hope long may continue yeah let's hope we're both talking about 
three points for both Wrexham and Wales. And also they've got the Belgium game on Tuesday as well, Wales, which I highly doubt that we're going to get anything from. But let's hope we're talking about loads of points for our club and country. This has been Dragnet. This is Sean Brisley. This is Dragon Heart.